This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. I'm Sean Zeller. It's Monday, April 27th. Three million cases have been detected around the world, and the global death toll has passed 200,000. Deaths in the U.S. topped 50,000 more than the number of American soldiers killed in combat during the Vietnam War. At the same time, testing for the virus is scaling up fast. This past weekend, more than 480,000 people were tested, a 54% increase from the weekend before. And there are signs of progress in America's epicenter. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said he is considering how to reopen parts of the state that haven't been hit as hard as New York City. Meanwhile, Congress has refilled the coffers of the Small Business Loan Program with a fresh $310 billion. It created the program in March and quickly went through $350 billion. Demand was so great today that the Small Business Administration's computer system crashed. Tonight, we focus our reporting on health policy, both here and abroad. We begin with Mary Ellen McIntyre on that, and later a report from Rachel Oswald on the race to find a vaccine. The White House plans to release its blueprint for state testing plans on Monday, President Donald Trump said. That plan will include increasing testing capacity at retailers across the country. For example, CVS Health said it would begin to offer self-swab tests at certain locations beginning next month, and CVS expects that it'll have up to 1,000 locations working on that by the end of May, meaning they could process 1.5 million tests per month. Walgreens said it expects to test more than 50,000 people per week. LabCorp says it will also offer antibody testing at Walgreens locations and at tens of thousands of doctor's offices across the country. The efforts to ramp up testing capacity comes as more states are preparing to lift stay-at-home restrictions in the coming days and weeks. Healthcare experts say that testing and contact tracing are essential for lifting the restrictions, but states are still trying to increase their capacity. And even as the stay-at-home orders are lifted and businesses begin to reopen, it likely won't be an immediate return to normal. Deborah Burks, the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, said on Sunday that some sort of social distancing may be necessary through the summer. Meanwhile, as the House and Senate prepare to return to D.C. next week and lawmakers weigh what could be included in the next COVID-19 response package, some lawmakers are eyeing a chance to look at holes in the nation's public health preparedness. Some have proposed doing more to bulk up public health funding as lawmakers and appropriators work on spending bills for the next fiscal year. Others say that they want to take steps to take greater control of the nation's medical supply chain so that the U.S. is less reliant on foreign countries, including China, for medical supplies and pharmaceuticals in a future public health crisis. Health officials are already trying to build up the nation's stockpiles in case of a second wave of COVID-19 later this year. But one challenge could be finding an opening to address these kinds of issues while the bipartisan interest is still there. Longtime observers of Congress note that bipartisan interest in public health preparedness can wane not long after a crisis. And now a report from Rachel Oswald on how the race to find a vaccine raises a question. Will the world work together, or will the first to find a treatment that works hoard it? I've been reporting on the -the behind-the-scenes diplomatic efforts about how an eventual coronavirus vaccine could be shared around the world. Right now, 
a lot of attention is being focused on which vaccine candidates are the most promising and when they might be available for public use. Less attention has been focused on what will happen once a vaccine is available. Vaccines can take a long time to produce, and it is unrealistic to think that once there is a vaccine, that it will simultaneously be available to everyone in the world. Who gets the vaccine is going to be a politically fraught process, but if not handled correctly by the United States, could prove toxic to longstanding alliances while handing China a PR victory. There are a few countries that are seen to have an advantage in developing a vaccine, and the United States is at the head of the pack, along with China and a few European countries. That makes it important that national governments, civil society, and businesses begin thinking about how a vaccine will be shared, what the desired outcomes will be once there is a vaccine, and how it will be priced. Should the country that first creates a vaccine reap all the benefits, able to vaccinate its entire population, and pick and choose which countries will be the first to receive dosages and at a fair price? What are the risks of such an approach? In the event, the U.S. is not the first to market with a vaccine, or if a second generation, more effective vaccine is developed by another country. How will long-time U.S. allies like Germany feel if the U.S. imposes an export ban on the sale of vaccine, particularly at a time when China is eagerly trying to position itself as an alternative to the U.S.-led order? If all of this seems a little risky, as many global health and biosecurity experts agree, wouldn't it be better now to begin negotiating international framework for the financing, development, manufacture, and distribution of a vaccine? Many experts feel this way. Looking through the World Health Organization, France and Germany and a few other wealthy countries are trying to build international support for a framework. Critically missing, though, are China and the United States. Global healthcare experts want to see a vaccine first made available to medical workers around the world and those who are most vulnerable to dying from the coronavirus before the general population. But with scientists working faster than ever before to develop a cure, time is of the essence for national governments to come together to agree on a cooperative approach. Finally tonight... New York became the first state to cancel its presidential primary, slated for June. The move has angered followers of Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who are hoping to capture delegates, as well as progressive congressional candidates challenging incumbents in New York. Those congressional races will proceed as planned. That's our CQ on Congress coronavirus special report for today. We'll be back Monday with the latest. For all of us in the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, I'm Sean Zeller.